You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show. Have you ever thought to yourself, wow, we've got to improve communication around here? Well, today I bring on one of my friends, Dr. Steve Carstensen. And this is an awesome episode on the basics, whether you're getting started or you've been doing this a while, everyone can improve. And he shows us four ways to communicate and three skills to listen better. It is fantastic. I encourage everyone to listen to this. It'll make your practice better and it'll make your life better. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. We'll see you soon. guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. I love this because I get to invite a lot of my great friends that have been mentors of mine for years and years and years, and we learn best practices and we pass them along to you so you can create a better practice and better life. And today I bring in one of the greats, Dr. Steve Carstensen. And I've gotten to know Steve over the years as a speaker, through Panky, through a lot of the great educational efforts he's done. And today we're going to do a little something different. We're going to talk about best patient care means using four ways of communication and three listening skills, which we'll explain as we get going. But Steve, thanks for being on. I appreciate you, brother. Oh, Kirk, it's always fun to be on a best practices show. No, it's, it's a highlight. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, again. buddy. Yeah. I love having you back again and again. And again. You always bend our brain uh, uh, on something, and you guys will see this is just fun stuff. So I love starting here because we've got a, a lot of uh, young listeners. I want people to know who you are. So give us a little bio, and who are you? What do you do, Steve? Oh, my gosh, what do I do? Well, my, I'm in a dentist for now, 40 years this year, Kurt, and Whoa. so I'm exposed to a lot of things. And one of the things I found critical early on in my practice was, you know, I didn't want to be average. I didn't want to be just another dentist doing, you know, good dental work. I wanted to do exceptional dental work, and I wanted to approach it in ways that were, you know, were more fun and more engaging. And I've been a teacher all my life, and and so it was. It means I have to learn more stuff to stay ahead and be able to be helpful to my colleagues, and you know, not from a way of you know being on top of things, but but just being helpful. And I love what, when people do better because they've learned something. And as a teacher, you know what it's like when somebody comes up and says, you know. 
I heard what you said and I took that and I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm having so much fun. And so that's, that's really a, a warming feeling uh, about that. I just came back from the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine meeting, our conference in Philadelphia this year. And, you know, you walk around and people come up and say, I read something in the magazine or I heard you on a, on a podcast or something. And I really liked what you said because I was able to help my patients this way. And, and, you know, you don't get any better uh, kudos as an educator when somebody says they've put something you've um, offered directly into practice and another person has benefited from that. Yeah. And, you know, when growing up in dentistry, I, I, th I heard, you know, we got out of Panky Institute and uh, the mentors that were there would say, well, you know, it's because well, somebody taught me this and I'm, I'm teaching you. Well, that's that's the reality of things. And it's so fun that way. So I, I teach all over the place. Actually, uh, I'm part of the World Sleep Academy now. There's a part of the World Sleep Society that gathers up physicians and anybody that wants to learn things, and they show up online, and the group of people that are part of the World Sleep Academy get to teach them what we teach them. So I look around the Zoom meeting, and I realize I'm the only dentist on there. So I guess I'm the dental part of the World Sleep Academy, which feels kind of fun. Yeah. And uh, uh, physicians from Tbilisi, Georgia, and Peru, and and uh, Saipan are saying, well, you know, none of my dentists know any of this stuff. And so, you know, they're, they're showing up to learn things. And I'm, I'm excited about that because, again, more people around the world that uh, have a dentist who can help them means more people are breathing better around the world. And that's what we need. Yeah. yeah. And, and lots of places. I'm also writing. Uh, the book is out. And we, of course, we have the magazine. Thank you for mentioning Dental Sleep Practice magazine. And that just came out and people like that one. So, so it's a it's a busy time, but you know that's my life, Kirk. It's like your life, you know. Where the folks that are engaged, we find more ways to get more engaged. Yeah, just that. Way. I love it. I love it. So if you're not taking notes, don't worry. We're taking notes for you. You can flip up to the notes during or after the podcast, and you're going to see everything that Steve and I talk about. There'll be links to it. So I'm going to encourage you to get his magazine, check out what he's up to. And Steve, you're our guy. You know, you're one of those people out there in a world that. <clears throat> likes to create camps, you know, you're bringing us all together. And I love that. And I love that. And in part of bringing us all together is we got to learn how to communicate yeah. and uh, take us through the why of this. We're going to get into the methods, but tell me the why. Well, my, my, my friend of mine invited me to speak to a study club. And he gave me a guy, nice challenge. And I've heard him do this to other speakers. But so it's my turn this year. And he said, I want you to talk about something that you'd love to talk about, but nobody ever asked you to talk about. And I thought, well, what a great invitation. And then I, I, something I've rolled around in my head for a long time and never put this talk together about is when I look back at my uh, wonderful influences, they've come from the Panky Institute as a primary one, I'd say. And, but also Jim Pride and the Pride Institute. I used to speak for them and Amy Morgan, the leader after Jim passed the torch. And I've studied hard with Mary Osborne for many years about communications. And then I ran across a new resource that's gonna be unexpected to the people listening to this. And that's Alan Alda, the actor. And I, I, and I thought, well, what a fascinating book. And, and so I read the book and I loved it and I'm using the techniques that he talked about. And so when my friend asked me to speak for the study club, I said, you know what? I think I can roll a message together from all of those influences. Mm -hmm. So four different approaches to how I get to know the patients and how I actually provide services. And like, I use this in my practice when people sit in front of me and tell me their stories. And so I can sort out how I can help them best. 
I, I use it when I'm talking to uh, other people that are learning. I use it when I'm talking to, to audiences and I'm thinking about it when every time I write something. So it's really pervasive because communication touches everything we do, doesn't it? Uh, if we don't, if we have a great idea, fantastic. But if it doesn't get out of our head into somebody else's head, well, then it's not communication. And if we are, sit there and we need to hear from somebody what their story is, what's important to them, what it is that we can do to make their life better. Well, we have to listen carefully. And so we have to communicate that way too. And so it's easy to put a boring title on, you know, communications in dentistry, you know, but, but really this is a much more about life communications about what we can do to really match folks with needs, with skills that we have and a team culture that makes it possible for us to be successful in getting in my case, folks breathing better at nighttime, because ultimately that's what that's the only thing that matters is does somebody smile better? Does somebody chew better? Does somebody feel better? Does somebody breathe better? You know, the ultimate boots, uh, uh, rubber hitting the road is when our community health gets better. Yeah, totally agree. And I'm just going to I'm just going to support you on this journey of like how important communication is. And I don't know who said it. it I heard it somewhere at the Panky Institute early in my journey. And I think you would agree with this, Steve, like your ability to communicate will ultimately determine how far you go in dentistry. You can learn a lot, but the better you can communicate, the farther you go. Would you agree with that? Yeah. In fact, dentists are great at preparing. We love right. to learn stuff. We, we, we sign up for webinars. We go to conferences. We buy books. We, we, pro we promise to ourselves we're going to re-listen to that, you know, that presentation that was on a Zoom meeting. And I'm not sure how much of that is actually transmitted into practice. One of the things that was an early tenant of Panky Institute that I love this catchphrase that they've gone away from, and I wish they would go back is narrowing the gap between what is known and what is practiced. So that I just love that because that embodies everything that dentistry needs to really do. And that is to take all these wonderful anecdotes, these wonderful facts, these wonderful teachings, you know, whatever label you put on them and roll them around in your head, sort them out, figure out what's the right for you thing for you to do, and then put it into real practice, put it, you know, take it to your next patient and come up with that little fact that you learned in a course, that little communication style that you might even hear today and say, okay, you know, I can put that to use. I can make my patient feel like they're on the right pathway with this up with this way I'm doing things. Yeah. And so one of the um, um, approaches you can take is uh, Panky's. Panky's approach was great. And he didn't talk about it from necessarily a pure communication standpoint, but gosh, over, well, now coming up on a hundred years ago, uh, he started talking about uh, human behavior because he, he was a dentist in Kentucky. Then he moved to Florida. Then he took a whole summer off. Can you imagine doing this today and moving to Chicago and studying human behavior and psychology with a leader in Chicago? Left his practice with some associates and just moved to Chicago and <laughs> took a summer off and studied. Well, he came back and said, you know what? I think the masters of Aristotle and others go on through the years have given us a better way to communicate where we get to have four important points, which is, you know, knowing your patient, knowing yourself knowing your work, and then applying your knowledge. Now, the knowing your patient part is where we get into real, you know, interpersonal communications. And so you have to sit down and that means little things like, you know, what can I do for you today? 
but also where, what, how did you get where you are today? What's your health history like in details? What, what is it that you've had as a experience before? How, how has it been for you going to the dentist office? How has it been, you know, in my case, struggling with uh, solving a snoring or sleepiness problem, but given solutions that don't really work for you and dismissive attitudes by some of the medical colleagues that we work with and, and really helpful attitudes by others? You know, how is it you've gotten to this chair in this place with this set of attitudes, with this expectations? And by the way, patient, what are those expectations? If you draw those out of your patient really well as a dentist, <clears throat> now you can start to match up better kind of what it is that you can offer to meet those. And if you learn that somebody, you know, has unrealistic expectations, you know, wouldn't you like to know that before you start your treatment? Uh, so getting to know your patient is the, the actually the kind of the most fun part uh, of yeah. doing all of this because, you know, you get to engage in all these things. But then you also have to know yourself because, you know, what are you comfortable with? <clears throat> in my case, I was a restorative dentist. I love doing that. But I, now I, I learned about the airway issues and I, I think this is more fascinating. And so my energies are all that way. <clears throat> Honestly, Kirk, I don't miss doing fillings on number 14 anymore. You don't? And so no, some, somehow that 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 the uh, entertainment value of that is no longer appealing. Right. And so uh, so you get to know yourself, what, what it is you're able to do and comfortable with. And, and then knowing your work is the easy part. Dentists love to do that. I mean, we, we love to learn more stuff and, and find out a new technique, uh, contemplate buying a new widget to make things happen. Uh, the things that we are used to in dentistry, great. But if you couch that in terms of how you can put all of that together, knowing your work and knowing how, what you're comfortable with and really getting to know your patient. That gives you the, all the tools you need, all the crayons you need to make the right picture for applying your knowledge. Because applying your knowledge is not simply taking a new skill of fixing a composite a certain way it, or, or being able to use that CEREC machine. It's really about how you can put it all together to make sure your patients are healthier on the other side. Yeah. You know, and that's the key, uh, because there's, there's a lot of easy ways to be a great dentist. But if your patient isn't ready for it, or if it's not the right time for them or if they, you know, you're not the right person to do that particular treatment, then it's, it may not be as successful as you want. Or they have expectations that, you know, you think, oh, like if I get my margins just great and the color's fantastic and the bite's perfect, but their expectation was different than that. You know, now we have a failure there. So, uh, right. Dr. Pecky was a great influence that way. Yeah. When I looked at it from the context of these things, I thought, well, that's all communications. It's all really talking to yourself, talking to your team, talking to the patient, and then putting it all together. So, treatment yeah. plan. Yeah, treatment plan is way more than just putting the tooth list together and what you're going to do. 100%. So, I love what Dr. Pecky taught. And I love what you're saying here knowing your patient, knowing yourself, knowing your work, and applying your knowledge. I feel, and it's been my experience, Knowing yourself is the one that is really important and doesn't get enough attention. People think they know. I'm 53. I'm learning things about myself all the time. And I wish I could go back 20 years ago and find out I was terrible at a lot of things. But I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't learn that. I didn't learn who I was. And the more you learn who you are, the better you can like enjoy your life. You can also start to build a team. You can narrow your focus. You know, these young kids who I love, and if you're listening, you know who you are. They go, I love endo. And I'm like, you're a GP. And they go, I love it. And I'm like, okay, I don't think you do. But, you know, 
I, and to each their own, to each their yeah. own. But yeah. when you figure out who you are, now you can create an incredible life. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I, I, it's funny. I love your comment about that because one of my favorite books is uh, by uh, Sally Hogshead. Yeah. Called Fascinate. And it's a, a great way to, it says, how to make your brand impossible to resist. Filled with getting to know yourself and then being able to use what you learn about how to in interact with the world. So if you learn that you love endo, and by the way, Kirk, at one point in my life, in my dental, my uh, my regular dental career, I had an application for endo school on my desk for a while. So um, so endo was fun for back then. But then I met Kareem Alibi here in Bellevue, who, showed, who sent me pictures of all these squirrely roots, and I, I sent him uh, emails back saying, Kirk, uh, Kareem, I think you're just trying to scare me off of doing root canals. So and it worked because I stopped doing them anyway. Um, so anyway, so so yeah, getting to know yourself. But then another thing that you need to be able to do is you need to be able to use the data that you gain from getting to know the patient to help them make decisions. Now it's really you have to be really careful there because we can gain skills to manipulate people pretty easily. That's not the end point because that violates expectations. Right. And so you can manipulate somebody into saying yes. It's not hard to do that, but. If at the other end, if they've been feel that manipulation and they will, that's buyer's remorse. And then they'll come back and they won't be your champion anymore. They'll they won't be uh, uh, like Dr. Panky says, hey, I want people to pay with appreciation. If somebody is manipulated into something, they may recognize they have an obligation. And, and the way he used to put it, he said, you know, you'd see the, them writing out the check and there'd be there'd be scars on your desktop from them pushing so hard as they wrote on the check. You don't want that. And so if you're looking for Google, Google reviews, if you're looking for positive videos made for you and posted online, you got to meet those expectations in good ways. And the way to do that is make sure you really understand what, they're, what the benefit is they're looking for. Now, Dr. Pride taught us a lot of different things, amazing stuff about organizing your life and leadership in your practice and leadership in, in how you even set up your books while you're doing a dentistry. But one of the most powerful state um, uh, constructs he came up with was called the benefit statement. Now, as we talk to other people, w uh, the scientists have told us that, you know, you know if you're saying something to somebody, they, you have a, a microsecond to keep their brain engaged with what you're talking about. And if you don't start with something that engages their brain, they're thinking of something else by the time you're your third or fourth word in the sentence. Well, if our job is to communicate, then we have to keep them engaged. And the way to do that is to come up with a benefit statement. So you start your sentence with what's good for them mm. or, or their name. Their name works too. But if somebody, and, and a classic example, somebody walks into your office and they have a broken off, off cusp of number 30. Well, you look at that and you might think, I'm going to do a crown on that tooth define crown any way you want in these days, but I'm going to do a crown on that tooth. And so you look at that and you go, well, patient, we need to do a crown on that tooth to put it all back together. It's going to be gorgeous. It's going to look you know, pretty on your teeth. You'll be, it'll be all great. Well, what did you start with? You started with what the dentist needed and you ended up saying what the dentist could do. Well, if you sit down and go, huh, I see that cusp is broken. Tell me more about that. And they tell you the history of that one and how long the filling's been there and whether another tooth has had a broken cusp and 
okay, now what is it you'd like to make sure we do for you about that broken off cusp? And they, they may say, well, I, I'm worried that another piece will break. I'm worried that I can't chew my food. Whatever it is that they say right there, you listen carefully to. And say if they uh, are worried about another tooth breaking. Well, patient, in order to make sure that your other teeth are strong, I'm going to do a thorough exam. In order to make sure this tooth won't break down some more, there's a, a procedure we can make called a bonded porcelain restoration, whatever it is that the, 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 the thing you have to do for that tooth. But you start with the thing that they told you is the benefit that they're looking for. Maybe they've had other crowns and you look in there and, you know, it's not the right color. Right. And so the, the most thing they're worried about is that is the fact that it's not the right color. I have gold crowns and my, my other crowns have my uh, dad had gold crowns. I don't want a gold tooth. You know, okay, well, listen to that and think, okay, well, and so we don't have to put a gold tooth on your uh, to fix your broken cusp. We can do this and we can do that. So you start with the thing that they shared with you, parting, part of knowing your patient, part of applying your knowledge. And then you follow that with what it is that you have to do. And then you talk about the features. Now, we'd like to talk about features. We like to talk about color match. We like to talk about shape and flossing ability and close margins and all these fun things about crowns. But we don't lead with that because patients don't care, right? They care a little bit, but they don't, that's not their primary. They didn't walk in saying, I, I really want some better margins here. They walk in and say, I have a broken tooth and I'm worried about it. Okay, tell me what you're worried about and they tell you. And then you, you, you just follow up with a benefit statement first. So it's like talking with their first name. Yeah. You know, John, we can, in order for your tooth to be strong, Bang. Now they're listening. Their brain's yep. engaged. And so you can carry on that way. So there's another way of approaching your communications is to think uh, what is their benefit and how do we uh, support what they want with what we can do? Yeah, I'm <clears throat> I never got a chance to meet Jim Pride. He was brilliant. I have been to his winery, though. And it's also <laughs> brilliant. So uh but you're exactly right. It's amazing as you share that. And I've heard this before, uh, but it isn't really taught in dentistry. And I would tell you that 90% of the conversations I hear in dentistry, it starts with the way you started this, this tip. You know, I'm going to suggest a crown and here's why and blah, blah, blah. And now yeah. it's your treatment. When you talk about the benefits first, you know, we talk about wants versus needs, you know, yeah. this is, this is what you want. This is why you want it. And this is what I'm going to recommend to help you get what you want. Now you can support the patient through this whole process. The other thing that happens, and you could speak to this, Steve, this becomes their treatment, not yours. You're just the facilitator of how to get that benefit that they mentioned, right? Exactly. Yeah. Because they, their brain is, they have a, a picture of what they want and say they also might have a picture of what they don't want right. say for example you have this broken off cusp on number 30 okay easy for a dentist to treatment plan then you look across the mouth and number 19 has a crown on it and number 19's crown has a hole in the top of it with a filling so we all know what the history there was they had a crown then they oh gosh the tooth kept hurting kept hurting so now they had a root canal okay so maybe that's their only experience before and then if you lead with crown, well, guess what their brain's remembering? So get to know your patient, get their history out, notice that other tooth and say, tell me more about that other tooth and your experience over there. 
So you get a little bit of their history. And that's what Mary Osborne talks about, is about staying in the question. Because if they walk in and say, I have a question about my broken tooth, and you look in there and go, okay, tell me more about that. And then you, they tell you a little bit, and then you notice number 19, say, I want, I noticed you have this other one. And so can you offer up the, your history there? What, what happened there? And then they answer, they, they, um, they say something. Well, she, I don't know if you've had Mary on your, on your program, but she's, she's the master communicator t- trainer in, the, in dentistry today. She and, is. Yeah. And have you ever done her listening exercise, Kirk? Yes. I've done it four times where you go knee to knee and it's really hard. It's not easy, but you learn so much. And really, I want you to describe it, what it is and why it's important. So can you describe it? Sure. So you're right. Two people, uh, two people in your office, two people in your life, sit down knee to knee. And the first uh, listener has the question. The question is, in order for us to work well together, what would you like me to know about you? And then the first talker can say whatever they want. So, so that person can play a role. They could uh, talk about their own life. It doesn't make any difference. So they talk for five minutes. And the first listener has, is supposed to ask questions. But here's the big key is the question has to be specifically about something the first talker just said. And so if they talk about a dog, uh, then the question can be about, well, what kind of dog? What, you know, how big is the dog? Something about the dog. If they talk about a dog and then the next, the the first listener says, oh, well, tell me about your kids. Well, that violates the the, the exercise. Right. Five minutes of that. Then you stand up, you stretch, you change positions, you sit down and the first talker now becomes a second listener. Same question. In order for me to know, uh, to work well together, what should I know about you? And then at the end of that five minutes, the discussion in a room is about what was your experience as the listener? It's not about the talking because like I said, the stories can be real or made up. It doesn't make any difference. The, the, The experience is being able to focus on what somebody said enough that you can ask a question directly of that. And that's the hard part, like you said, isn't it? Well, yeah. What's been your experience there, Kirk? Yeah, the my, exper- my experience. So number one, it's one of the most important things I think I've ever learned. Now, I had been taught a little bit of that as a kid, but there wasn't really a methodology. or So when I went through that exercise first with Mary years ago, I'll just say this to anybody that's listening. It's a great life skill. Forget about what happens in your practice. It's going to help your practice. Don't get me wrong. But when you have a friend come over, it's one of the best gifts you could ever give anybody is when they say, when you say, how you doing? How was your day? Well, it wasn't so great. Well, what happened? Like, and then you just stay in the question. The whole idea is don't be equipped with anything. Just listen. So that's number one. Um, and then we've always heard this. Don't get good at answers. Get good at questions. Our highest producers, hands down, without any thinking, they're the best question askers. They're not the best tellers. They're just really good at questions. Now, one more thing I'll just add to this, Steve. 
Many people don't know this, but I, when I was younger, I wanted to be an actor and do some stand-up comedy and stuff. So I got involved in, I got involved in improv and I actually got into the Groundlings Comedy Club in Los Angeles with, oh my gosh, where now I get, there's, there's like six different layers. This is way long ago. So I got in the first layer of it, which is where Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan and Sherry O'Terry and John Lovitz. I mean, the string of people that have come out of there. Now, the first thing I notice is like, I don't, I don't even belong here. These people are way funny, but they teach you in one second. Improv is not about being funny. It's about listening. So when somebody says, Steve, you got a, you've got a gorilla on your head. You go, yes, I do. And his name is Bill. You know, like whatever they throw at you, you can't say no, you have to stay. It's really about listening. So I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent here. But you can see how important it is in human connection when somebody's yeah. trying to tell you something. The other thing, as a teller, I'm not really telling you what's going on. But if you stay in the question, I'm going to become vulnerable at some point. I'm going to tell you some stuff that I probably haven't told anybody. And I'll wrap this up with this. There's a treatment coordinator and she knows who she is in Georgia. I tell her things I don't think I've ever told another human being ever. Cause she's so good at this. Like she can, I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're going to ask that question. And well, I have to tell you, cause number one, I trust her. Number two, she's authentically interested. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever told anyone that, you know? And so what, what happens, the benefit is that people, you do trust people when they get into the question. So I think Steve, what you're saying here, it's one of the most important things anyone can learn in or inside a practice. Don't you agree? I do. In fact, well, I want to bring up a point about that practice in Georgia where you sit down and talk to somebody about things you don't believe you've said. You didn't do that in an open bay with, you know, the hygiene appointment next going on next door and a kid in the third room. Right. You did that in an environment in that practice that it allowed you to feel safe. And so part of knowing our work and applying our knowledge is to make sure we have a system set up for folks to be able to share with us. And so you have to be able to get good eye contact. So your your person in Georgia, I don't know who that is. I don't I can imagine the situation though because of the success you just shared. Is that you know, she said eye to eye with you, she looked you in the eye. She used imaginative language to help you frame what it is that you were saying by asking good questions that enabled you to picture what it is that you were trying to communicate. And, they, and she used words that you and she agreed on the type of, or on the definitions for. You know, if I say chair, Kirk, you, you know, you're sitting in a chair, I'm sitting in a chair, everybody out there is in a chair. There, right. Nobody pictures the same chair. So if, we're, if your patient has to communicate to you chair, you have to ask enough questions to say, okay, what is it you mean by chair? Right. You know, and it's really important. And I love that you brought up the improv because the last thing I want to bring to you, the, the fourth approach is actually an improv approach. Okay. I, I can't wait to hear this. So I stumbled across this book by Alan Alda, you know, the actor. And, it's, and the, the title of the book says, if I understood you, would I have this look on my face? <laughs> If I understood you, would I have this look on my face? And you know the story he opens up with? A periodontal surgery episode. Really? Is what taught him this. Yeah, because he's sitting in the periodontal surgery office, and I don't think that this surgeon was a better surgeon than he was a communicator because Alan says he has no idea why he was there. And he did this surgery, and after the surgery healed, he realized his smile was a little crooked. You know, you, you see him smile. It's got that little droop on one side. He thinks that's because of that surgery. 
And he thought, well, this is terrible for a while. And so then he realized, you know, it's kind of a, a shtick he could use in his comedy early on. So it didn't become a problem for him. But he got to thinking about that and realized that that surgeon had no skills to teach this lay person what was going on. And so that prompted him to, to approach, uh, I think the, the uh, I think it was Nature or Science or one of the TV shows on PBS. Um, and he started a program where he would go interview these scientists on, you know, all fields and help them communicate to the lay public what it is that they wanted to say. And then he, so that was a TV show for a long time. And then he started the, Alan Alda Center for Communicating Science at Stony Brook University. Wow. So you and I could go and take a class, classes at Stony Brook, and you know what they use? Improv. Really? They use improv there. And so they put, you know, nuclear scientists and, and doctors and, you know, and, and uh, accountants through improv classes because of the, the improv rules. And what did you say the first rule was? It's listening. And so if you have your, you know, you've done it. I haven't done it, but except for just, you know, practicing from these things and watching webinars from Alan Alda. But, uh, but you're on stage. You were on stage. And what do you have to do? You have to listen to what your partner is talking about. Because if they say, you know, what did you say? Bear on your head. And, um, and so you have to go from there. So yeah. it's a, so the first rule is you have to listen because your next response, the rule says, Yes, and yes, and so you have to acknowledge what they, what you saw, heard, said, played, and then you have to add to it. Well, think about our dental practices. If somebody sits in your chair and says, "Well, I have this concern," and your first response is, "Well, no, that's not really a thing. We can do this other thing." Well, you've stopped communication right there. But if they say, I have this concern, and you say, oh, I, I hear that. Yeah, yeah, I can, I'm concerned about that too. Let me help you understand that a little bit more. Now you've engaged your patient with that. And so this, the first rule is to listen. The second rule is yes and, which means you always have to add to the information. And the third rule is that you have to give more information. So if the bear on your head has a name, well, there's more information. And then your right. partner can go from that. If Mary Osborne says, stay in the question, and you answer their concern with a little bit more information, then, and, and invite them to say more, now you can, and listen well, you can keep adding, keep adding, and keep adding. Yeah. And the last rule of improvisation is when it's over, it's over. Because when the story is run out, when the patient shared with you the, the right things, when you feel it's time that they've said yes. They understand what it is that they're making a decision about. Shut up. You know, it's time to finish the story, you know, and stop talking because we can overdo it. And that doesn't apply our knowledge very well. It doesn't provide a benefit. It doesn't, it doesn't stay in their question. It starts to add yours. And you won't be as successful in getting your patient comfortable with making the decision to move forward on the health issues that you've talked about. Yeah, I go back to that one because it's so funny you said that. When it's over, it's over. I did not know that rule. And I also have seen many dentists, they just keep vomiting information and the patient's eyes gloss over and they don't stop. They actually start to unsell it at some point. And I think if you're that type of dentist, it's great to employ the help of an assistant who's got some type of a nonverbal signal like, uh, let's yeah. 
we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Dentists love to just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Don't they? Yeah. Part of applying your knowledge is to be able to, to know when the patient is, um, ready to, to stop now, ready to, ready to, to make a decision. Because if, you know, our simple example, broken off cusp and you want them to do it, you, you really do think a crown's right for that person and you've overcome the history of number 19. Uh, so they say, yeah, I guess I need to do that. That's it. Done. You know, let's get a schedule. Let's do it right now. Whatever it is, it works for you at that point. But stop talking because they don't need any more information about the margins or the color or the bonding system or the whatever it is you're going to do. My dentist, Jamie Brooks in Tacoma, gosh, she's amazing. I, I broke a cusp off, Kurt. And, and I walked in. I said, you know, this thing broke. And she said, okay, we got a number of different ways of doing that. And she told me what it, what the, it was. And I said, I, I want it to be, I don't want to worry about it. That's what was my thing. I didn't want to worry about it. And so I, I, in my practice, it would have been a crown. In her, in my dentist practice, it's a bonded up buildup with rib bond and all kinds of fancy techniques, biomimetics, she calls it. And I, I, I've seen all the pictures and, and Jamie is a way better dentist at these techniques than I ever was because she's learned more stuff. But she knew also that she didn't have to explain every little bit of it because I didn't want to know every little bit. And I'm a dentist. I just wanted to have a solid tooth I can count on. And so that's that's how that works is when you are sure that the patient is giving you all the signs that they're comfortable, you know, stop talking. You know, yeah. ask ask for the close if you were if you want to be a salesy about it. The close is well. Should we get started? Would you are you ready to make an appointment? You know, would you like to talk to our financial coordinator? Whatever it is that gets them to say yes, right. because if they don't say yes to whatever it is that you have in your wheelhouse, they're not going to get healthier. Yeah, and if we have to not manipulate people into saying yes, that doesn't work. But if we you know, apply all that teaching. And if we provide a benefit, so they stay with us and we stay with them. And then we, uh, you know, listen carefully and add to the question, don't shut down communications. They're going to get to the point where they're going to make a decision that's in their favor, their best interest. They're going to say yes to something. Yeah. And that's when we get out of the way and do, do whatever it is they told us to do. Steve, I love this. This is foundational for any dentist getting started. Heck, any professional getting started doing anything or any established professional. These are things that we can all work on. I love it. Love, love, love the framework you've given us. Gosh, any last thoughts you have on how to create your best patient care, these four ways, communicating better? Well, you know, the masters that I've studied with, Dr. Pride's gone and Pride Institute is, is folded into Spear now. But Panky still goes strong, teaches the same things now for over 50 years that Dr. Uh, at, that Dr. Panky inspired down there. So we still get those things. Oh, by the way, I want to tell you, uh, they, they've invited me now. I'm part of every one of their first class called E1. I'm part of every one of their classes. I get to talk about airway and how that coordinates with restorative dentistry. And, you know, I can't talk about these things without talking about communications. So, right. so I get to be part of every E1 now. I'm pretty excited about that. And so you can do that. You can anywhere you see Mary Osborne, or you can go to maryosborne.com and and learn from her about communications and listening skills, and get this book. I think this amazing book for dentistry. And so um, you know, didn't write it for dentists, but but since it starts with a dental story, guess what? It starts with a dental story. What is that? That's a benefit statement to us. 
yeah. you know, because it catches our attention. Yeah. So that this stuff is universal, Kirk. It's everywhere at the highest level. Yeah. It's, it's when you're looking for things that match you is look, you'll see it. You'll recognize it when you start to see these skills applied by other masters out there. And so that's what you do. Yeah, I get I'm, I'm I get a chance to do that uh, coming up soon in Florida at uh, you know at Florida Dental Congress. I'm doing a two day course there. I'm doing a day and a half course at Louisiana State University coming up. Uh, it's uh, about airway and what dentist role can be and all this stuff is woven all the way through all that. And then I'm really excited about the ADA, the Children's Airway Initiative rolls on. We have our fifth uh, CE event in July at ADA headquarters, the end of July. And this one's called Children Need Our Help. They don't grow out of it. And here's how you can help them now. And so it's real hands-on. I've got experts. I don't do that treatment, but I've got experts coming to do it every day. And they're going to sit at tables with the learners and go, tell me your questions. And here's what I do. And so it's going to be very, very practical again this year. So excited about that in July. Steve, I am so pumped, man. I'm just so grateful. You are an amazing teacher. And I'm going to encourage you guys, if you're listening, you have to see Steve speak. It's it's awesome. He's a very giving, uh, excellent teacher. You always give us a great framework on everything. Um, I also, if you guys, again, if you're not taking notes, don't worry. All of the things that we've mentioned are down in the links. But if I'm listening, Steve, and I want to get your magazine and find out more, where do I go? Dentalsleeppractice.com is for the magazine. Dentalsleeppractice.com is for the magazine. And then stevecarstensendds.com is my my teaching website. That's a good place to go, I guess. And um, I do a study club now called Breathe Away Learning Group. That's kind of fun. Um, so there's there's lots of ways to, to learn um, uh, from me if you want. And um, and of course, our book. And I don't want to pitch all that stuff, Kirk. It's just, you know, if they, if they find it good, that's great. Well, I'll pitch it. Um, this breathing thing isn't going away, don't you think? No, no, it's becoming more and more important. Uh, in fact, um, Kevin Boyd is a, a pediatric dentist uh, colleague in Chicago, good friend. And uh, he coined a term that I love, and I've, I'm, he and I are kind of pushing it at ADA levels, is that I actually think that our labels shouldn't be general dentists anymore. I think we should be primary care dentists. Because what do we do? We, we assess people at all kinds of levels for health, and then we get them to the right people. We manage a lot of disease in our practice, but if we see something we can't manage, we send them off to specialists in dentistry, specialists in medicine, specialists in physical therapy or myofunctional therapy, all the other colleagues that we work with. And so how is that not just primary care? So we are actually primary care dentists. I love that. I love that. Primary care dentists. You just gave us a huge, huge best practice there. So, buddy... (laughs) As always, you're always making this profession better. You make our lives better. I'm so grateful for you. So thanks for being on, buddy. Hey, thanks for having this. This is fun. Yeah, well, stick around. We say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show podcast. I'm just so grateful. This is so much fun. And keep sending us suggestions for things that you guys want to see. I get them all the time. I love this stuff. So until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the Best Practices Show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? 
could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.